It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Guessman, coming to you on Monday, June 15th. Uh, that's right, everybody gearing up for the MLS is Back tournament uh, headed in Orlando on Thursday. We gave you a whole bunch of details, but we're going to have a whole bunch more details for you uh, definitely coming up. Uh, we're going to talk and start out where the LA Galaxy would have been and why there's an interesting little twist in the schedule that we were going to talk about that is no longer there. So we're going to talk about that uh, and then full team training for the LA Galaxy as well as the contingent that is heading to Orlando, including all the players, all like 1,100 or 1,200 players that are going to Orlando. Um, there's probably going to be some of those players who are not very happy whenever they get there. So we're going to talk about that as well and anything else we can sort of fill in as we go uh, to help me do that. Now, the panda himself is back, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kevin How's it going? All right. How are you? I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging. Are in, you, you wearing? Know? Are you wearing your mask? Uh, not not currently in my room. Um, but you know, in Orange County, apparently people don't have to wear masks anymore. So yeah, why, that's what I heard. Why I even heard try? That. Why even try? No, uh, I wear my mask everywhere. Thank you very much. Uh, and we're and at least in my household with the youngster that we have, Mr. Jake, uh, we are we're we're not really going out all that much. So we've we've reined back as much as we possibly could. So. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how long we can handle that. But you know, with food deliveries and everything else, I think we can we can hang in there for a little while and and do some things. So we're being careful. How about you? What's going on up in your neck of the woods? Well, I'm wearing my mask everywhere. I'm trying to set a good example. I'm not sure it's doing any good. Uh, I look around. I don't see anyone else, anybody else wearing one, and I kind of feel silly. But um, until this thing gets until they tell us not to wear a mask, I'm going to wear a mask. I'm going to follow the rules. No, it's a it's a it's a good call, and I think uh, I think if it's my suggestion, that would be my suggestion to everybody: is wear your masks. Um, I was going to say, you know, there's uh, Roughneck Scarves actually did some has some officially MLS licensed masks out there. Uh, I pre-ordered some to see if they would get here, and they just got here today. They're actually very nice. I I was talking to Michaela about this, just it, which was funny. I I held up the mask and I looked at her and I said, you know, four months ago this didn't exist. Like this product line for Major League Soccer or anybody else did not exist. And the, the bottom line is now it does exist. And how long is it going to exist? But regardless of that, everybody's going to try to cash in on those masks. And I, and I think I'm doing a great job of supporting the local economy with the, you know, 70 or 80 masks that I probably bought. Well, I, I got three Man City masks, but but you're right, and this is something I thought about. Um, if you watch late night TV, the, there's the, those infomercial type things that come on late at night. They're all advertising masks, and they're doing the whole you know dramatic thing about how you have to have the mask. If you don't have it, you know you're going to die, and whatever. How they kind of hype those products. So they're on late night TV. I, I saw um, uh, I was out doing an assignment the other day, and outside a gas station, there were two guys standing with large cardboard signs uh, on which attached were like. 40 different masks of different designs. It's, it's going to be like T-shirts and ball caps. You know, you're going to, you know, wh whatever political candidates you support, whatever team you support, whatever sport, whatever restaurant, I've seen them with restaurant and bar logos on them. Right. Um, it, you know, it, it's just going to become sort of another way to sort of show your identity, mark your identity. I do think that regardless of what goes on in Orange County with the mask there or even here, uh, I, I do think the masks are going to be around, maybe on and off. I think we're all going to have to get comfortable wearing masks. And so if you want to get a Galaxy mask, now is probably the time to to get them because I, I do think they're going to be here for a while. And 
you know, another reason I wear them is, as you know, I've had to do a lot of different assignments, not sports-related assignments because there's no sports right now. And it's taking me out to a lot of these Black Lives Matter marches where, you know, there's been twenty and 30,000 people out there. Right. There's not a lot of social distancing. And I've worn the mask, and most of the marchers wear the mask, too, and we're outside, so it's probably safe. But you never know. I mean, when you get crowded into that area, you don't know where these people come from and, and what diseases they might be bringing with them. So, um, you know, until there's a vaccine, as they keep saying, until there's a vaccine, everyone's taking a risk. Yeah, it is. well, and it is. I mean, you know, and I think that, you know, we talk about safe and there's no such thing as safe, but there's like safer. And so we sort of have to gauge that as we go. You know, it's like what position like I, you know, as everybody knows, I, w- I was big into rowing. Uh, and rowing indoors with with people all around me. I mean, there are 20 or 30 people in a relatively small space where I'd be rowing. Uh, And based upon all of the scientific studies that I've read about exertion level and how many droplets you put out and what's a prime sort of area. So like, you know, in those those hot, damp rooms with, um, you know, people exerting themselves, you know, you're putting ridiculous amounts of droplets in the air. And so it's, it's one of those things. My gym opened up this week. And they're like, are you coming back? I'm like, no. And there's no way I'm coming back for quite a while. I go, unfortunately, you know, I don't have that luxury. And I know there are lots of people who either live with immunocompromised people or, you know, you have young kids that you're just trying to protect or whatever you want to do. I mean, you, you sort of have to gauge that. So it's like, what risk level do I have? If I was single or if, you know, it was just, you know, my wife and I, perhaps I would take a little bit more risk with some of that stuff. But to be honest with you, I don't want to risk her. I don't want to risk the baby. I don't want to risk my parents who uh, my mom has to come over and watch my son on occasion. So, you know, doing all these things is like you really have to sort of gauge what you're comfortable with, not only exposing yourself to, but what you're exposing other people to. It's just, it's a whole different type of math before you go out anymore. And I know it's weighing on people. I know people want to get out and do stuff. And uh, I don't know about everybody else, but I've been just really trying to do a good job of making my place look nice. That way I want to stay here. So, you know, doing some outdoor furniture and like planting flowers and put it. We bought it. We bought an olive tree, Kevin. I mean, come on. You you can't go wrong with an olive tree. Buy an olive tree and try to make that grow and not kill it. So, you know, those have sort of been my my take my mind off of a global pandemic that has shut down most of my sports that I watch. Did you see the story? I forget where I read it, but that Sebastian Legette apparently, you know, is living with Becky G, and they both had a ton of extended family in their house. And I think at one time, I thought I read somewhere between eight to ten people in their house, mm-hmm. um, you know, from both families. So um, not necessarily people that they normally cohabitate with. That seems like a lot of people to be in one small house during a pandemic. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it depends. If everybody's going to stay in that house, then it's probably fine. I mean, you can have you can live with twenty people if everybody. It's about your bubbles, right? Who's penetrating your bubble? Who's not? Um, I have to work. You know, I I think I've been pretty clear about this. I'm I'm part of an essential business. We're working. I've been working in the office. I work in the office in the mornings, and I come home in the afternoon and work from home uh, to help my wife take care of the kid um, in the afternoon because she's full time working from home, and I'm working in between doing all that stuff. So. Um, you know, the, the, the risk that we have is elevated already because I go into the office and there's other people in the office and, you know, we have rules and regulations that we follow within the office that I helped establish, but none of that say, you know, it's, there's an increased level of risk whenever you penetrate your bubble. Um, and so that's, you know, again, it's just this math and I think it's a mental strain. I know there's people who are struggling. Uh, my son who lives in Colorado, I haven't seen in quite a while. And, you know, it's one of those things that it's like, I want to go. I want to go see him, but I don't want to, A, bring something to him, uh, B, travel and get something that then I can give to him and then bring home and give to my son here as well, or my wife or my ex-wife and her family. Like, it's just all of these, it's the mental math. And I know it's it's weighing on everybody. So hopefully 
Um, hopefully, we can provide people a little bit of break from that. Although we just spent you know five, six, seven minutes talking about it, but at the same yeah, time, you we know, can just wipe all that out and start over. Yeah, we could just delete that. That's fine. That's yeah. not a problem. Um, what let, pandemic? Yeah, I was going to say well, there's nothing going on. Everybody, don't pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Um, let's talk a little bit about where the LA Galaxy would have been. We've been keying you off on this Wednesday, June 17th. Technically. The LA Galaxy would be headed to Sporting Kansas City for a midweek matchup against Sporting Kansas City. Uh, the game would have been at Children's Mercy Park, and it would have followed a home game where the LA Galaxy hosted the San Jose Earthquakes on June 13th. So that was this last weekend that would have taken place, and then Wednesday it would have been a game away against Sporting Kansas City, and then they would have come back home against Seattle. Here's the really interesting thing, and one of the reasons that I think we should highlight this is that, Josh, keeping track of where you would have gone is probably going to go away. Uh, And the reason is, if you go over to LAGalaxy.com, you click on the schedule, what you're going to see there is they're going to show you the two preseason games that the LA Galaxy played, and then they're going to show you the two games that already got played, the 1-1 draw against Houston, loss against Vancouver. Um... And so if you look at those, those are the only two games that are on there. Everything else after that is blank. There's no schedule after that. Uh, this is maybe it's a, a good sign for everybody who wants soccer to be back. But we know that the LA Galaxy will be playing a certain number of games, three games in the group. And we talked about Group F and we talked about a whole bunch of stuff on Thursday. So if you miss some of that, you can go back and touch touch on that on Thursday. Or you can sort of keep following along because I'm sure we're going to talk about it. But basically, we know that the schedule is going to come out for those three games. And then we know that Major League Soccer wants to play games after that so the regular season after that that gets played back in the home markets uh which involves travel for for major league soccer teams and a whole bunch of other stuff and it involves a new schedule so uh the schedule that was there is now wiped off and it's gone so all those people who were sort of waiting for uh mls to to uh refund tickets and stuff like that and the la galaxy refund tickets that's coming because you can tell that they're going to put a new schedule out and then they're going to have to decide whether or not fans are coming to it. And once those they've determined that fans aren't coming to X number of games there, Kevin, uh, the refunds will start a rolling, I'd imagine. Well, yeah, they're going to hang on to that money as long as they can. And that probably makes sense, uh, you know, both from their perspective, not having to go through the trouble of refunding. And I've talked to some season ticket holders who actually... Uh, you know, if you're so inclined and you're in a good pos- financial position where you can do this, some people want to just roll that over to next season and not have to worry about, you know, a, a full payment next season. But uh, the Galaxy are well aware that there are a lot of people not in that situation. They've lost their jobs or had their hours cut back or been furloughed or laid off or whatever during the during the pandemic, and they need their money. And my understanding is, and people will, t- I'm sure will tell me their experience has been different, but my understanding is that the Galaxy are trying to be responsive to that now. You know, they just laid off a number of people, uh, AEG did, a number of people in the Galaxy offices. And I would imagine that ticket sales was uh, one of the areas that were hit hard. So that could confuse a lot of this as well. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's worth pointing out. We had mentioned it. I believe on Thursday, uh, where we talked about, you know, that that AEG had cut cut people. Uh, we knew that there were layoffs within the LA Galaxy. I don't think a you know a big enough sort of deal has been made about it. Maybe that's our fault for not trumpeting that more. But quite honestly, the LA Galaxy are tight lipped on details and they don't really want to talk about it, which was of course obvious why they don't want to. Um, but at the same time, this is happening. Uh, we talked about AEG, you know, bleeding and hemorrhaging money at the same time, and we've been talking about that. So that's that's sort of you know hampering them as well. We'll see what happens with this season and how it goes because uh, things are starting to to break loose a little bit in Major League Soccer. You know, transfers 
look like they may be get, getting the green light here in a little bit. Uh, everything was sort of frozen there during the shutdown. Uh, it looks like Major League Soccer is getting ready to unfreeze that and allow some of this stuff to happen and then transfer windows and how those windows are sort of um, acknowledged or followed or, you know, it's going to be difficult because FIFA basically has given the green light to teams to extend contracts to the end of the league season that they're in. So, you know, Bundesliga is extending past a certain time. The Premier League is extending past a certain time. Usually we're used to June 30th, um, you know, contracts ending, uh, Kevin, for the for that summer transfer window. And this year it could be extended by, you know, four or five weeks or it could be less than that. Um, so you sort of have to pay attention to that. So how that's going to affect the transfer window about who's available, when they're available, and whether or not MLS even abides by its original transfer window is all sort of still up in the air from what I can tell. Um, so, you know, all of these things, the impact of AEG and their financial stability, um, you know, the layoffs within the LA Galaxy office, how much money is available to the LA Galaxy, quite honestly, the buyout of Alexander Katai also could have taken money out of the transfer uh, you know, a transfer window that they had. Maybe they, you know, hey, we had $8 million budgeted for this transfer window and now we have, you know, we don't know what the number is, but now we only have $6 million. So that could affect um, how things are going as well. And the Galaxy aren't going to tell us that either, whether or not that was the case and how much they had budgeted and all those things. And uh, again, the Galaxy tell me that, you know, they're in a good spot and that they had money and roster spots available. And now they have more money and more roster spots available after Alexander Katai. So looking at all these things with the schedule coming up, you're going to start seeing how MLS expects to lay out the rest of the season. Uh, and I say expects because I don't know that anybody right now, Kevin, fully understands what's happening here in the United States in terms of, you know, the number of coronavirus cases. And I think something like 22 states have had an increase, uh, you know, in the past uh, couple weeks and especially in the yeah, past including couple, Florida, including Florida, Florida. including California. Um so there's been these increases that are going on and it doesn't mean, and by the way, everybody says this isn't the second wave. Everybody wants to claim it's the second wave. This is still part of the first wave that sort of seems to be rolling through according to, well, to most. Speaking of that, you talked about Orange County, California, your, your home turf mm -hmm. where uh, everyone is taking the mask off now and celebrating Orange County, Cal Orange County, Florida, which is where Orlando is, which is where the, uh, COVID Cup tournament will be played when MLS returns. Uh, not only has the state of Florida had a, a pretty substantial spike in coronavirus cases, but Orange County has had the biggest spike in Central Florida. And the mayor of Orange County has act actually had a news conference today, Monday, where he said, everybody got to wear a mask. You got to wear a mask, take care, do the right thing. This is new. Uh, Florida was, uh, you know, sort of touting itself as the one place where the coronavirus allegedly never touched. And to have uh, the mayor of Orange County, home to Disney, home to all those theme parks, uh, to come out and say, while these theme parks are preparing to open, for him to come out and say, look, you got to wear a mask. This thing is starting to 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 get away from us. Um, you know, MLS, uh, the NBA, they're they're going right into that. And, and we, it was announced, I guess, today that the WNBA is going to Florida too. That would be a little little bit up I-4. They're going to go to Bradenton, but they're going to play there too. And it's all these announcements are coming at a time when Florida is experiencing a record number of coronavirus cases. Yeah. And, and, and overall, the percentage increase, you know, is is a marked increase. Um, so these are things that they had to, you know, sort of watch. Again, we talk about reopening and, and sort of what it's going to look like. I mean, you know, I know that there's MLS markets right now who are preparing to have fans in the stadium this year. Um, so Dallas has already said they can do it, and maybe it's the entire state of Texas. They can have uh, up to twenty five percent of the people in the stadium. And if you think that doesn't sound like a lot, if they play a game at the Cotton Bowl, which they won't, but if they did mm -hmm. play a college football game, that's a hundred thousand seat stadium, right? So 
that's 25,000 people. They can make a lot of noise. They can make and a lot of, a lot of infections. Yeah, I yeah. was going to say, you know, the um, again, just the, the scientific data says that yelling, screaming, talking loudly, singing, uh, any of those things increase your ability to transmit uh, coronavirus. So again, it's it's all going to be about, um, you know, ultimately this is, I feel like as, as we're watching, this is going to be about what you personally feel comfortable with. I know that there might be a chance for there to be fans. And even though I've said that's not happening, there could be a chance for fans to be in Los Angeles, you know, um, at Dignity Health Sports Park this year. Um, and you have to decide if one, you had the option of being able to go is whether or not you would want to go. Um, and that's what everybody's sort of understanding that even with everything opening back up, Kevin, is whether or not people feel comfortable going back to these places. I think the gym story I had is a perfect, perfect example for me is, yeah, you may be open, but I don't feel comfortable. Um, you know, that goes with a lot of indoor restaurants and stuff like that. I have no problem getting pick up and take out and doing that type of thing. But I think it's gonna be a long time before you see me sitting in a restaurant eating a, eating a meal, which is a personal choice. And I understand there's other people who may not feel that same way. Um, but well, you, I mean, you've seen me, you know, I'm pretty buff. So the gym, you know, not really, <laughs> yeah. I'm not really too worried about that, but you know, you, you brought up uh, a few minutes ago. I don't want to uh, forget this. Um, you talked about the transfer market and how that's all going to shake out and we don't know yet. And, and, you know, I, I think MLS has not really been a major part of the transfer market, like say, you know, the European leagues, but this is going to be a really interesting year and maybe not just a year, maybe a two to three year period. Um, uh, Earlier in the pandemic, and things have changed. I think you, I think you, everyone can agree the European leagues have come back much quicker than expected, and things appear to be getting back to normal. If normal, if you consider normal, getting tested, you know, every two days and playing in an empty stadium. Right. But they are playing games. Anyway, the point is, um, there was some dire predictions earlier this spring about what would happen with the transfer market. The International Center for Sports Studies they predicted a 28% drop uh, in transfer fees ac across Europe's top five teams. Um, Bayern Munich's former president, Uli Onis, uh, said that the, the summer transfer market was going to collapse completely. And so did Christian Seinfeld, who is the uh, president of the Bundesliga. They're all predicting they have these dire uh, predictions for the transfer market. And when you look at how that may or may not affect MLS, uh, MLS teams like the Galaxy, owned by AEG, which is a concert promoter, and, and they are really struggling for money. Uh, there are other similarly situated teams that their 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 parent company relies on, on businesses that are now shuttered. They may be tempted to sell some of their best players, even though they're getting you know quarters on the dollar now. They may be tempted to sell those players just to help keep themselves afloat. But at the same token, teams that are maybe a little more healthier may dip into the European market a little bit. Maybe a guy they couldn't afford uh, a couple years ago, now at a 28% discount, they may go get them. I, I think MLS is going to be very interesting to watch how they play this transfer market. I could see it going both ways. I could see them being active as sellers and some teams active as buyers. But it is definitely... Uh, a unique opportunity. The market will change. It will be different for the next couple of years. Well, I think it's interesting. I could see the LA Galaxy going both ways um, in terms of, you know, the LA Galaxy and how much they they cost AEG is not necessarily a large number. Um, so, you know, could the LA Galaxy be aggressive in this transfer window and look for the deals and look for those things? Yes, they could be. And I think that's the positive sort of sign to it. I think that's the positive sign of MLS, which is MLS as a more financially stable league, um, which, by the way, other leagues around the world are starting to talk about salary caps and other things. So uh, we'll see how much MLS has an effect. I, I Like I said, it's like the white, you know, the white spray, the referee spray that, that everybody uses 
now across the world. The magic spray. Yeah, the ma- well, it's not the magic spray, right? Because this is the it used to be the magic spray was what you sprayed on injuries, right? It's the the white the white spray is where the referees mark out lines and and they mark off stuff, right? And uh, that used to be for what was it for a year? It was only or even like a half a year. It was only being used in Major League Soccer, and everybody was making fun of it. And they were like, "Oh man, look at that's so stupid that they're drawing lines on the foam and all oh, that's so stupid and everything." And then literally six months later, it was like around the world and everybody was using it because it was a good idea. Um, that's you watch salary caps are going to start being adopted more and more. There's I think the Chinese Super League. Um, I think they have a salary cap that's being instituted this year um, or next year. I can't remember exactly which way their seasons fall, but that's coming. Um, uh, but you're hearing about other other leagues around the world instituting, possibly thinking about instituting salary caps, and it's because of the runaway financial instability that comes from you know being these top teams in football um, and, and seeing what that does in a downturn, a sharp downturn, something that happens like a pandemic. Um, you know, there might be there there might be uh, teams who won't survive this. I think we talked about a bunch here, Kevin, about you know teams in France having troubles. Um, so there was there was reasons that a salary cap might be a good way uh, for other leagues to eventually be able to weather the storm. But it might be that that salary cap also keeps Major League Soccer right now afloat and in a buying uh, and sort of an advantage situation in these depressed um, transfer markets. Uh, so it's something well, you know, we have to watch that. You, you mentioned China. You know, the Chinese Super League still has not uh, begun play. And apparently they're talking now about if they don't do it by early July, they're just going to have to bag the entire season because they have World Cup qualifying coming up in the fall and uh, takes too many players away from teams. It, Bottom line is the Chinese Super League seems to be facing something of a maybe an artificial deadline, but they need to get going. They haven't played a game yet, I don't believe. Um, and I wonder if that's going to affect the way that those teams do it. Like, hey, we're not going to be able to play this season. We got to, we have to pay the bills. Still, we got to get rid of some of these players. We're not going to get rid of domestic players for a number of different reasons. I, I say all that only because I've seen a lot of people talking online about whether or not Roman Alessandrini might be able to come back to the Galaxy. He is signed to a Chinese team. Um, if the Galaxy won him and the Chinese league isn't going to play anyways, I wonder if that is a possibility. I, I just, again, I want to go back to the point of we've never been in a situation like this before. We can't remember the last time an M- MLS played through a pandemic. Right. Uh, so, um, you know, and and, and the, the leagues in Europe as well. I mean, yes, they were around in, ni- in 1918, but uh, the financial model was quite a bit different then. Yes. Um, you know, I think all bets are off and you could see, you know, if, if the galaxy wanted Alessandrini and, uh, we know that he wants to come back. We've seen that on social media. Uh, you know, I throw that, that out there just to keep that conversation going because I don't know anything that anyone, no one's told me that that is a possibility that I, I'm just speculating, but it does seem to, you know, make sense. And I think we have to think outside the box because we've never been in this situation before. Yeah, well, it's a position of need. I'll tell you this, though. Uh, you feed right into all the fans who seem to be willing this to happen um, because, you know, every every post he makes. And listen, Ramon is like, you know, is like the 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 girl you broke up with, Kevin, right? That she still wanted to be friends and, and you guys decided that you were going to go different ways and you're not really seeing each other. And every once in a while, she just drops that picture of the two of you together being like, oh, this was a good time. And the whole day, that's what Ramon's doing right now. He's fishing. He's fishing hard. Yeah. Um, and well, see, I don't have that experience. Any girl I ever broke up with, she was out of there like a three zero fastball. She was not coming back. <laughs> yeah, she was let's, gone. Let's not pretend that you broke yeah, up with anybody. Was, let's not that's pretend right. that that's what happened. You were the one who usually got broken up. There, she was gone quickly. She got in that's her car right, and she yeah, drove she away. Was absolutely, <laughs> never looked back. You know, who? Kevin? Who? 
band of who? <laughs> doesn't even know. Doesn't even know. Um, but no, I mean, you know, so it's one of those things that keeps stirring. Is it a possibility? Yeah. I just, you know, for me, it's like, hey, if they're going to pay me $1.5 million and I'm going to sit on the bench or I can come back and pay, take like one hundred fifty or $250,000, which quite honestly for Ramon Alessandrini, who played, I think, just around half his games with the LA Galaxy uh, in total, it's, it's, you know, that's, that's a lot of money and it could be incentive based and you could do a lot of things. There's ways to make it happen. There's always ways and it always comes down to the dollar figure. Um, I just, I just haven't seen the LA Galaxy seeming like they're motivated to make that happen. Maybe the fact that they have no, you know, clear replacement for Alexander Katai on the right, maybe that makes it. Yes, you can move Sebastian Legit. You can do things, and we've talked about that, what you could do to the roster to fill that spot. It doesn't mean that that's the best thing for the team. Um, and so, you know, Dennis DeCloso really has to sort of figure that out and figure out what he wants to do with that. Um, well, with all respect to Dennis DeCloso, who's proven to be very creative, the, the one team I would say, again, you know, I, I, I'm beating a dead horse now, but these are uh, unusual times and outside the box thinking and creative thinking and an understanding of what you can and can't do with the rule book and with money. Keep your eye on the New England Revolution because <laughs> that's a deep pocketed team. Right. Uh, you know, uh, they, they own the Patriots. They got a brand new training center. They're building a new stadium. Things are happening there. Nobody is more creative and knows the rule book better than Bruce Arena. I would not be surprised if those guys, given the unusual circumstances and the fact that their owner does have money, Atlanta too is another one. They have a lot of money. They have a good situation. But you know, New England can can recruit to their training center, which is uh, beautiful. I've seen it. Uh, they can recruit to their new stadium. They can recruit to their market. And Bruce Arena is is unparalleled at getting these unbelievable deals that will never happen, getting it done. And so do do not sleep on the New England Revolution. I would not be surprised at all to see them do some amazing things this summer as far as acquisition of players. It's going to be, uh, it's at least for somebody who's, you know, observer of the league and of the teams and, and things that are happening, Kevin, it's, it's, it just, it makes my head spin whenever I try to think about this stuff, which is, it gets me excited for all this. I don't know how it's going to go. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I don't know if the LA Galaxy sell Jonathan Dos Santos um, to Club America because they're going to give him a whole bunch of money and the Galaxy are going to go out and buy some big designated player who comes in and they're going to have, you know, and that's, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm, Everything's on the table right now. Don't sit there and roll your eyes at things. All this stuff could happen um, because it's unknown. And I think that you have to look at the opportunities that are presented um, and then you make the decisions based off of that. Ola Kamara is a great sort of, uh, you know, uh, uh, deal that went through for the LA Galaxy that allowed them to do other things, right? And that's not something you could have predicted even two weeks before the season started. That the whole thing, I think, kicked off like around uh, you know, a week before the season started and everything sort of started to go sideways and then he's going to China and then he's back at DC. It's just craziness. But that deal allowed the LA Galaxy to sign, you know, a whole bunch of players with a whole bunch of money. And so those are the opportunities that could become knocking for somebody like Jonathan Dos Santos, a marketable person. Uh, they don't get anything for selling, uh, you know, a Christian Pavone. So that's not necessarily something that they're looking at in terms of it's a money deal. But could they renegotiate a deal with Boca now that the market is depressed, that it's not $20 million for Christian Pavone more at six and to $6 million makes sense. You know, if Boca needs money to $6 million makes sense to sell Christian Pavone. It seems like the LA galaxy haven't been interested in that. Um, but we'll see if perhaps this transfer window, the summer transfer window means that, you know, something could happen uh, with that. So I just think those are all interesting yeah, it, little tidbits. 
it's not time for the faint of heart. This is a definitely a gambler type t- um, time when you roll the dice and and let it go. And, and remember, we had Daniel Sturris on the show uh, a couple weeks ago talking about how this is a bizarre season and people are always going to look back at 2020. And if you win MLS Cup, they're going to say, oh, yeah, that was that season. But it's got to be going through the head of some GMs, too. It's like, do we really want to stake everything on, on trying to win the MLS Cup this season? Yeah, yeah, you want to play well and you want to do well, but it's such a, a bizarre season. You don't we, right now. We don't know how the schedule is going to going to pan out. We right. don't know if you're you're going to play games at home. We don't know if you're going to play games at all for sure. We don't know that for sure beyond the tournament. Um, might this be a time to say, yeah, you know what? We're going to sell our top three players because we're going to bank a bunch of money and we're going to uh, believe that the 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 transfer market is going to be so depressed that we can sell our top three guys and get some great European talent, uh, you know, for again, quarters on the dollar. And we can bring those guys in and maybe we don't win this year, but we're going to have a jug. We're going to have a dynasty for three or four seasons after that. Do you do that? Or do you say, Hey, you know what? No one's paying attention to this season. Let's steal an MLS cup title and see if we can build some momentum going away from it. It's just it, each club I'm sure is going to have their different philosophies, but it's certainly not a time for anybody to sit back and say, let's see what happens. I think you need to go out and make things happen. Yeah. And I think that, that when we look at these things, Kevin, and, and we, we pay attention to, to sort of, you know, what the LA galaxy need. Um, I don't necessarily see this transfer window as being need-based for the LA Galaxy or for any MLS club. Uh, in in a lot of ways, this feels like almost like the NFL draft, right? And and you're in the you're at the end of the first round, and yeah, you don't need a wide receiver, but you know what? The best person on the board is a wide receiver. Yeah, best available athlete. Yep, best available athlete, and that's who you're going to get. Um, and I see that tra- this transfer window as something like that because. You know, um, this year seems like you could crumple it up on a piece of paper and throw it away. The results really aren't going to matter in the long term. But what you do and what talent you're acquiring for not just this year, but for the next year and the next year, and hopefully those are uninterrupted seasons, um, what you're doing that way uh, is is important for the team. And so it's one of those. It's like, well, yeah, you know, everybody says, you know, Mar- we were talking about Mario Balotelli. And, you know, by the way, somebody uh, somebody told us, Kevin, that you should just have a segment where every week you tell people the crazy stories that Mario Balotelli has has oh, done. We because, could definitely do that. Yeah. We could have a weekly segment on that. <laughs> I was going to say he's he's done enough crazy things. We could probably we could probably do. It. But I mean, it's he, he was locked out of his out of his camp you know, right in Italy, his team's camp. He was locked out of that, and they told him on Monday, "You're no longer part of the team." And so, guess what? For the first time in six weeks, he showed up Tuesday and wanted to train. And they said, we just told you yesterday, you're not on the team anymore. Yep. Yep. There you Only go. Bellatelli would do something like that. No, it's, it's again, he's, he's for the entertainment value. I'm, I'm all in on that. Um, but it's, it's, you know, it's like, why would you get somebody like Mario Bellatelli when you already have somebody like, you know, Javier teacher, Harito Hernandez, um, you could look and say, you know, for, for Chicharito is that, well, maybe you put him up with a partner this year, or maybe he's not long-term, you know, he's only going to be with the galaxy for two years and you're going to get this player for the next five years. And, you know, a younger player and that type of thing, does it make sense to, to go out and just get somebody the best, you know, maybe you get a central midfielder and you're like, but the galaxy have 17 central midfielders. And it's like, well, listen, you know, this is, this guy's better than all of them. So this will eventually work. And then we'll move pieces around him. This year is well, that that's year. Exactly, this is exactly how the galaxy got Chicharito because Sevilla is expert at that. They're sort of the uh, soccer equivalent of, of people who buy and flip houses. They take in players, whoever they can get at a discount. They don't worry about how those players necessarily fit together. They bring them in, 
they just shine them up and and get them fit, and then they flip them for uh, uh, you know more money. Uh, they made about a million, maybe a million and a half on Chicharito when they got him from West Ham, what they signed him for, and what they flipped him to the Galaxy for. Now a million and a half may not be much, but if you do that three or four times, then you're starting to talk about a little bit of money, and that's what Sevilla does. They just they buy depressed players. Think of the Oakland A's in Moneyball. They buy players that uh, everyone else has, uh, uh, you know. Overvalued or undervalued, they get them, uh, you know, for uh, cheap. They fix them up, and then they they turn them around and sell them to somebody who needs them. And uh, yeah, I, I I agree with you. I could definitely see some teams doing that. Just get the best available athlete and uh, hold on to them for a while, and then go ahead and sell them. And I'd like to see the MLS do quite a bit more in trades than they have, you know, like other North American sports where. Uh, you know, it's common in baseball and even football to draft guys that you don't need. Maybe you got a deep starting rotation. You draft a pitcher. Well, why do you need him? Because he's the best guy and you can trade him to somebody else for a shortstop. You know, I could see, I'd like to see MLS do that. You know, a team has too many center backs and they trade them for a forward because that's what they really need. We don't have enough of that now. I don't think the international game does either. Everything with transfers and all. I'd like to see more just straight up trades. We got a guy you need. We need the guy that you that you have right now and let's, let's make a trade. Yeah, it's... Uh... Well, with the salary cap being so restrictive, it really has placed. Yeah, it's very hard. On. Yeah, it's 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 hard. If there was more room and wiggle room to be able to do some of that stuff, you could see it. I mean, the NBA is a salary cap leak, and you see trades going on there. Um, and but a lot of that has to do with clearing money off the cap. And so uh, again, I would expect to see more of that as MLS develops. Is more inner uh, inner MLS trades that would allow basically for teams to clear cap space or do different things or you know different different ways of doing it. So anyway, uh, an interesting time is approaching us as basically what are saying. We don't have a schedule past the three games. We don't even know when those three games are getting played yet. Um, so it's something that should be announced by the league. We would expect it this week um, to give you sort of the, the schedule of what the tournament is going to look like. And again, 16 straight days of soccer um, at one point in there. And so it's a whole bunch of soccer and I'm glad that we have TVs at the office because I'll be watching most of the, I'm Everybody's going to be sick and tired of seeing Major League Soccer games in my office. I can guarantee that. Um, so a lot of stuff going on uh, and again, uh, 54 total matches, 39 group games, 15 knockouts, 26 days of, of match days. Um, so group stages, round of 16, quarterfinals, semifinals, championship match, um, all that stuff is upcoming and everything wraps up August 11th. So uh, kicks off July 8th, wraps up August 11th. Uh, apparently Miami and Orlando, I think, are playing on July 8th. Uh, I yeah, think that they, was... play the, they, they play that day. You know, it's unclear to me whether they kick off the tournament at whatever it is, seven in the morning or whether they play the, uh, the, the um, evening game. Yeah, the evening way primetime game. Yeah, it, well, so and and MLS made a made a point of saying that the vast majority of the games will get played in the evening, but they did think that they would have to play some of them, um, you know, in that six a.m. because it's a nine a.m. Uh, East Coast kickoff, and so it would be a six a.m. West Coast. I doubt they're going to have any West Coast games in that six a.m. time slot. That doesn't make sense. Uh, but hey, you know, maybe you get up early, Kevin, and you get to watch, you know, the LA Galaxy play um, in the El Trafico at six a.m. Because it's going to get the most worldwide attention at that time. Drive time soccer. There you go. I like it. So, um, you know, you you mentioned the date. It starts on July 8th um, and we'll find out the other. I think there'll be three games on that day. But teams can start reporting on, on June 24th. And if they do, then they will be in quarantine for 47 days. Uh, the Galaxy and LAFC both got clearance to start uh, full team training today. And that's important because it's the first time the Galaxy has trained 
uh, as a full squad since March 12th. They did train on the main field at Dignity Hill Sports Park. Um, and so the clock starts ticking today. If you if you start counting today to July 8th when the season would start, um, that's 23 days that they have for training camp. Um, you know, they're not go- going from a standing start, but they didn't go from a standing start when they reported in January either. So 23 days of training camp I have, if I did the math correctly, which is always uh, iffy, compared to when they came to training camp in January and they opened the season on February 29th, then they had 39 days. So uh, 23 days this time, 39 last time, 16 days fewer to train and get ready for the start of this tournament, which and every most teams are in the same boat. Some teams haven't started full team training, so they're either even further behind the eight ball. But that's why we have you know the bigger squads, the more substitutions, all those kind of things. Because you know, let's face it, you saw the you talked a lot about this a couple of weeks ago. How many soft tissue injuries there were in the Bundesliga? People yep. just not fit when they came back. Yeah, it, it's a big deal. Uh, it's worth pointing out. Uh, usually, the teams it's probably the teams who are not going to be or are having difficulty doing full team training will show up early in Orlando on June 24th, uh, but all teams must report to Orlando at least seven days before the start, so that's July 1st. Um, so everybody, including the LA Galaxy, will have to be in Orlando by July 1st, and that's to set them into quarantine with all the testing that they're going to do um, at the Swan and Dolphin Hotel there. Um, and so it's going to be really interesting to see how they sort of put all that back uh, from the B roll that was basically released today. And again, uh, you know, reporters aren't even allowed to sniff the stadium right now and that's fine. Um, it's not really uh, super important, uh, but eventually we're going to have to start talking to these guys a little bit more, get them on zoom calls, do all that sort of stuff to, to start, you know, gearing up towards this tournament. Um, but what we did see is Efrain uh, Alvarez, who was obviously injured um, in a scrimmage before this season started. Efrain Alvarez is back to full team training. So he is back. He is ready to play. Um, somebody asked me about uh, Danny Acosta, so Danilo Acosta, um, who had the uh, the injury, I don't know if it was an ACL. I can't remember exactly what the what the injury was, but it was it was a ligament damage, um, and he was out for a significant amount of time. Now we've been seeing videos of him running and doing other stuff. Uh, he is training. I think he's uh, maybe training off to the side because it's not full training yet. Uh, but he is running around. He is there. I would imagine that his timeline is still probably in the month, the month and a half, to possibly even two months in terms of you know fully coming back. But the bottom line is that you know the galaxy aren't going to play any games until at least july 8th so you almost have another full month you have another three weeks before that even starts so likely by the end of this tournament um that happens at the end of august uh or excuse me the middle of august august 11th um there's a there's a good chance that you could see uh danny acosta back in this game and so being that being that uh player back there at uh, at right back or whichever uh position he was going to back up and do so um i think it was left back was his uh, was his position yeah. to back up so uh that's something that's also seems to be a positive here's another question for you uh, i know that at the very beginning of the the, the you know stop in training uh what were, they, what were they calling it then the mls calling it a moratorium before it turned into this you know um what COVID-19 turned into, teams were talking about the possibility of scrimmaging, you know, having scrimmages with the local teams that would have probably been like, you know, LAFC and and the Galaxy, or maybe they scrimmage in Orange County Soccer Club or whatever. But having scrimmages, you know, that's out the window now. And, and given the rules, I don't even know that they I, – I don't think they can do that. I think the best you can do is inter-squad games. But the reason I bring that up is – 
Um, by the time that the teams get to, by the time the Galaxy, which last played on March 7th, by the time they get to July 8th, and we don't know if they play July 8th, they could play you know, five or six days after that. could be July, the middle of July before they play their first game. The Galaxy will have gone 123 days without a game if they don't have any scrimmages in, in between. Um, I don't think any player on that team has gone that long without a game since they uh, you know, were in grade school. Because you look at you know professional soccer, even if they even if you're the first team eliminated and don't make the playoffs, training camp starts in January and you start you know play some inter squad games. Then um, I, I can't imagine anybody on the Galaxy has gone more than 123 days without a game since, unless they were injured, you know, since they were in grade school. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a long break. Uh, everybody talked about sort of coming back and how excited they were. Sebastian Lejet remarked on how it was just like the perfect day, good weather, uh, just being back on the field, and everybody was laughing. And you know, it's that good connection. And uh, you know, I've talked to enough players, and you know, certainly having played not at a high level, but you know, just even in high school and, and doing stuff. The the one of the major draws of playing you know team sports like this is being around the guys or being around the team and being able to give each other, uh, you know, crap on occasion and, and poking fun and, and having a good time. And, you know, in a, in a, in as healthy a way as possible, I know a lot of times that can turn unhealthy, but in as healthy a way as possible, it's that, you know, camaraderie that you get about, you know, working together as a team and trying to beat another team. And, and it's so important for professional soccer players that that be included in what they do on a regular basis, that this individual training, training, even the small group training, the, the, the inability to gather together and sort of, you know, just be hang out next to each other is a mental strain for these guys. Um, my thing about soccer was I always said one of my biggest things that I liked is I just like kicking people. Um, and that's also a part of it. It's about letting out your stress through uh, through the physical activity and, you know, kicking somebody in the shin guards on occasion. Uh, but it is being with that team and, and, you know, having people on that team that you like, people that you don't like, but that everybody can sort of get together. And that seems to be sort of the biggest relief for everybody is that, you know, we're back and we're back together and we're training. But see, the difference between you and me is when you come back, people say, hey, Josh, you're back. With me, it's like, you're back? Yeah, you're I, I, I would understand. So it's a little yes. different. Oh, I, I didn't get that same uh, feeling that you did when I came back. Well, it was uh, it was interesting to see, you know, Guillermo sort of talking uh, a, a little bit about it as well. And he says, you know, it's just it just it, it didn't matter what happened today. That wasn't what it was about. You know, Kevin, this is, wasn't important what happened today. It wasn't important what they did. It's the fact that they were back. Um, so it's a it's as you said, it's a tight, tight schedule to get everybody sort of back. And remember, this is an L.A. Galaxy team that looked, you know, disheveled in two games at the beginning of the season. Uh, didn't look great in the preseason. Um, you know, so all of these things have sort of led to a point where now they're getting to reset. Uh, but I can't tell you that any progress has been made in terms of team camaraderie or understanding each other because, quite honestly, you need games to play that. I think that if you're looking at the L.A. Galaxy in this tournament, they're going to be able to find a way. They have to be able to find a way to play uh, better soccer together, and that's not something that I know that necessarily that you can fix in three games, and it's probably not something that you can fix in even ten games. Uh, it's something that with uh, a new piece and a new weapon um, in Chicharito, you really just have to play games and practice and do the things that you need to do uh, in order to get better. So uh, two games into the season, and that's where we pick it up from whenever we start the group stages. And again, the group stages counts for regular season, which again, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll reframe my argument from 
from uh, from Thursday night, which if you're MLS and you have games that are counting for a regular season, how you could go in and mess with a random draw is beyond me, but they did. Uh, and so now these games count in a regular season, and it's going to be difficult. You're talking about the LA Galaxy. By the end of group play, will have five total games under their belt as a 2020 team, uh, which is just, it's no time at all. Well, and, and it, you know, if you catch a hot streak and, and you really, everything's clicking, it's, that's great. Um, and, you know, you can mow through five or six, seven games in a couple of weeks and pick up a lot of points. If you hit a little bit of a rough spot, you don't have any time to figure it out. And that's what a lot of basketball teams talk about when they're in a busy part of their schedule. There's no time for training in between games to fix problems. You're going to find the same with these soccer teams because, you know, with a lot of players, especially midfielders, you need time to recover between games. There's not much time on the training pitch. So if if someone gets off to a slow start, and, we'll, and I guess we're going to talk about the the group pairings in a minute. But if you get up to a slow start, this tournament could pass you by before you even get warmed up. Well, as we said, uh, it's not going to be all uh, all unicorns and, and rainbows uh, in Orlando. Uh, Bill Hamid went online and uh, on his social media account. I believe it was uh, his Twitter account, but I think he probably re- re- uh, repurposed the picture that he posted um, from his Instagram ha- account as well. Um, but here's... Here's what Bill Hamid had to say, and we need to sort of put this in context and uh, context and understand what is going to happen, um, you know, to LA Galaxy players as well. Um, he says in this, he says, I have no problem with the Orlando tournament. Looking forward to playing to lock us on the Disney campus like we are in jail or like us as grown men don't know how to live freely and still protect ourselves and our teammates is ridiculous. We aren't children who need supervision. I don't agree with being locked on the campus. And I've said this from the beginning. I know how to wear a mask and social distance myself from people. We've agreed to this tournament. We've agreed to get sticks up our nose every two days. Now I believe we deserve the respect to not be locked up like we're animals or in jail. So Bill Hamid uh, not taking kindly to the quarantine on the Swan and Dolphin. It's a nice resort, Bill. No, um, this has been a big, <laughs> a big contentious point from the very beginning. Uh, you know, I don't know what the split is. I'll tell you that the the players that I've talked to are split in terms of wanting to go, wanting to the season to go, wanting to sort of see how this all goes, and certainly being locked up on the Disney campus is a problem. The NBA going through the same sort of arguments right now with their players. Um, yeah, they want no part of it from whatever the NBA players and even the MLS players or the smaller group of NBA players that want to do this. You know, the first seven days for MLS, it's just training and they're locked on that campus. There's no, they can't go to the movies. MLS is talking about having certain activities for the players there. But my guess is uh, when the games start coming fast and furious it might be a little bit different but that for by the end of that first week i my guess is 99 percent of the mls players will think this was a bad idea yeah and and that's just counting the the teams that are only going to be there for a week i mean there might be some guys who are there since you know june 24th um because their team can't do full team training um so there's a there's a lot of stuff in this and again uh you know the nba is having a problem with a large portion of the and i wouldn't say the majority because the it this this already got voted on from what i i i can remember it already got voted on that you know that tournament is going to happen um but you know now there's sort of this hey you can't lock us onto this property um 
you know, there's, I think we've seen, and one of the reasons that probably argues against this, we've seen that there have been some coaches, some players in some of the European leagues who have gone out when they weren't supposed to go out, Kevin, and they got, they got coronavirus. Um, so it's important that quarantine really does add, um, and the lockdown on the, on the property really does add a certain segment of safety, even whenever you throw in the, 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 the counter argument, which is that the employees, that are there are not being locked down and they can come and go as they please. Yes, it adds a variable, but um, you know, the people you are interacting and, and being around the most are the people who are not going out and, and breaking again, penetrating the bubble um, are not penetrating the bubble. So that's one of those things. This is going to be, I mean, you know, I, the only thing I can say is stay tuned to player social media accounts once they get in, in Orlando, Kevin, because uh, I think we're going to see some, some people have some, some minor meltdowns whenever this comes about. Yeah, and, and like I said, when the game started, it'll, it'll change. But that first week or so is going to be really bad. And, you know, let's take Bill Amit at his word. He knows what to do. He knows how to social distance. He knows how to wear a mask. He's going to take 100% care of himself. We can totally discount any problem from Bill Hamid right now. But Bill Hamid's on a team with as many as 30 players and staff members there. Can he guarantee that every single one of those players is going to do the same thing? Uh, no. And can he guarantee that uh, everyone on the other 25 teams are going to do the same thing? No, you can't. And um, unfortunately, you know, human nature is uh, is fragile. And that's why they have to lock them down, because it only takes one guy. We still haven't heard from MLS, by the way, on what they're going to do if there are multiple. Uh, we know that if someone tests positive, they're going to be isolated. But what if there are multiple people that test positive? Um, uh, you know, what if there are multiple players on one team that test positive? Um, presumably MLS has some sort of fallback plan for that, but we haven't heard it yet. And, and, you know, you talk about the people that work at the resort, they can come in and out and, and I don't know that they're going to get tested, but they're going to have their temperature checked and all those other kind of things are going to be done before they come in and out. Um, but when you see Orange County blowing up and having a lot of coronavirus cases, I think that's where the danger is. The people that are coming in and out of the resort who aren't quarantined there, they're going to go out and circulate in an environment where uh, there's a big spike in coronavirus cases and it only takes one of them to bring it back into the bubble. That's why you wear masks. Okay, that was it. That was my my one stand on the soapbox moment there. Um, but no, that's that you know, that's that's one of the things that can help. Again, the the whole idea that and I know MLS, Emma, uh, Don Garber was asked the question we talked about it on Thursday was, you know, I, if a set number of, you know, coronavirus cases would shut everything down, he goes, no, we don't have, you know, that set in stone. And probably they shouldn't. Um, it's probably one of those that you can sort of, you know, try to uh, navigate your way through um, as it happens, because quite honestly, it's like, OK, well, we have five, but there's five spread out among five different teams. Uh, it doesn't seem to be a single pinpoint of source. And how do they get it? You know, that type of thing. You can trace that within it. And that's one of the reasons you have them in a quarantine is trying to, you know, contact trace and figure out where everything is. Um you know, they're getting tested all the time. They're getting tested basically every other day. That starts now, by the way. Uh, the LA Galaxy, even in order to uh, start full team training, had to have basically two coronavirus tests, um, you know, every other day for the for four days. And they had to have two negative tests in order to come back um, and be ready for group training. And so we imagine being we weren't notified uh, that all of LA Galaxy players have passed that and they're in full team training now and doing that. So, uh, and that's going to continue. They get basically every other day they will get tested and that goes all the way leading to, you know, Orlando and Bill Mead says, you know, we agree to, you know, have our, 
have our have our uh, a swab stuck up their nose, you know, every other day, um, and that's going to continue in, for the entire tournament as well. So you know, a, a ton of testing is going to be done, and you know, the the ability to spread it rapidly within that, hopefully, uh, is mitigated by the fact that you're getting tested, you know, every other day. So. It's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, I don't. I don't envy these players. Um, I don't envy the decisions that they're having to be having to make, and not only that, but the decisions that you know are, are kind of forced upon them as well um, in having to go to Orlando and do this. And they voted to approve it. Who knows what that probability? Well, who knows what that uh, majority was? It could have been fifty-one to forty-nine, um, for all we know. Um, but it got approved. And but there's going to be some some people who are not very excited uh, about going. All right. So we do, do we agree Group F is the group of death? You know, people say that, and I agree. It's yes. one of only two groups. There are two groups in here that have three playoff teams from last year, and that is Group F, which is the Galaxy group, and that is also Group C, the Eastern Conference group, which has Toronto, New England, and D.C. But if I'm correct, New England and D.C. both lost in the first round. Toronto did make it to the final where they lost to Seattle. The, the, the group with the Galaxy, LAFC, went to the Western Conference final. Yep. The Galaxy went to the Western Conference semifinals. Yep. Portland was eliminated in the first round. So just based and, – and Houston, by the way, is a much improved team than, than the past couple of teams. And we were talking before uh, we started the pod, as you know, because you were part of that conversation. Yes. Uh, since you're the other part of we. Um, we were talking about how this is a tournament setting and home and away doesn't really matter that much. But on the other hand, when you look at home and away, you're looking at, in the case of, say, LAFC, the 3252 in their supporter section, you look at Houston, a lot of the the uh, advantages that they have at home with the weather and some other things. I think maybe the bigger thing is how they do on the road when they don't, when Houston doesn't have that advantage of the weather and LAFC does not have its supporter section. So you look at those two teams in the in the group, uh, Houston, you know, Houston and, and LAFC. LAFC over the last two years, they have two losses in 34 games at home. But they've only won 15 times in 34 games on the road. So a, a big split there. Houston's even bigger. Houston has 18 wins in the last two years and 34 games at home. Uh, they've won twice as many games as they've lost. They've only won four times on the road in the last two years. They've lost 25 of 34 games on the road in the last two years. So when you look at that, um, you know the Galaxy is kind of a, a more of an even, correct me if I'm wrong, more of an even home road split. Yes, they're better at home, but not – to, to that dramatic yeah. uh, a sense. So okay. a neutral field would seem to benefit the Galaxy, right? Yeah, I mean, you can you could say that. Certainly you can. Um, I would say that the LA Galaxy's home record hasn't been as good as it as it should have been in recent years, which probably gives the evenness uh, to the home uh, or to the away uh, sort of record. Um, you know, here's and here's my argument is that, you know, these are neither home games and they're not away games. They're tournament games. Right. And that means that, you know, there's there's not as much of an advantage for either. You're not going to be feel like you're on the road if you're the L.A. Galaxy. You're not going to feel like you're at home if you're the L.A. Galaxy. The same with goes Houston, Portland and LAFC. This is a tournament. It's separate. It's different. There aren't going to be fans there. Uh, it's going to be played on these, you know, these fields that will probably end up making it look more like a scrimmage. Um, so it's going to be, and I think uh, I've been having some different conversations on Twitter and, and people send me DMs all the time with, you know, their different views on things. They don't necessarily want to blast out, but somebody made a good point. It's, you know, the teams who are returning players more. It's teams that have that. It's the teams that already understand what they are as a team. 
um, that are probably going to have more success in this, which is hurts the LA Galaxy, in my opinion. Uh, we talked about the games that they need to play under the belts, and, and they don't have it here. Um, SoccerAnalysis.com, which is a, a great analysis, Evolved, I believe is the, the name of the website whenever you go, but SoccerAnalysis.com, uh, looked at the chances of teams... Um, advancing through each of their groups. And, you know, this sort of goes to MLS talking about, you know, their group A with six teams in it and why maybe that wasn't a great idea and a whole bunch of other things. But they basically said, you know, what are the chances of, you know, advancing for each of these groups? And basically, um, if you look at groups B through F, so B, C, D, E, and F, basically uh, the, the, the top two teams uh, at least had a 65% chance, or excuse me, that you know, there's a 65% chance of them advancing um, out of the group. Basically, is when you look at all these, all those, those different ones. Um, if you look at Group A, there's only a 50% chance that a team in there, you know, advances outside of that uh, of those groups. So that third place team that everybody's watching. And so, you know, we talked about a lot of people were saying, well, you know, at a group F, there probably should be a third place team because the four best well, third yeah. place teams come through, but right. It's the top two in each group and the four best third place teams. Right. Well, in group F, because these teams are probably more evenly matched than people are, give them credit for, especially in a tournament situation. Uh, especially if you look at LAFC, who's probably the favorite to win it all, unless they don't have Carlos Vela, which still seems like that's a possibility. Um, but you know, even if they don't, they are going to have Bradley Wright Phillips and Amand, uh, you know, Diamandi back, and those guys weren't going to play for the first three to four months of the season, right? Uh, and so, so LAFC kind of, I mean, Galaxy, with with the exception of Katai, I think the Galaxy, with Chicharito uh, saying he's going to go, I think the Galaxy are like a hundred percent, and they got uh, they're going to get you know Costa back from injury, they got Efrain back from injury, they're they're going to be stronger too. But um, you know, if LAFC misses Vela, I think it makes a big difference. Uh, on their team, but they add Bradley Wright Phillips, a guy who's a two-time Golden Boot winner, and and Dio Mondi. Uh, uh, yeah, they're weakened, but maybe not to the degree they would have been without no, those I, guys. I, I still think they're probably the favorite to to win out Group F. Um, I think that uh, people are certainly giving a lot of credit to Houston. Um, I'll tell you this: you know, Houston's a good home team, as you certainly pointed out. Houston's not a good road team, which you pointed out. But at the same time. That means that Houston is not going to gain the advantage of being at home. I think Houston plays the LA Galaxy toughly, um, which is one of the reasons that they could possibly be that second place team. Um, if you look at uh, basically analysis, uh, if you look at what uh, SoccerAnalysis.com did on this, they look at Group F. LAFC has the best chance of of being the top of that group. Uh, Houston is second in that, and then the LA Galaxy in Portland. Uh, my only argument here is that Houston is a good team, um, but realistically Houston and the LA Galaxy are pretty evenly matched and I would think that on a neutral field that any sort of home advantage remember the LA Galaxy just played the Houston Dynamo to a 1-1 draw um, at at oh, on the road so the LA Galaxy already played to a draw on the road against Houston um, you would have to imagine that in a tournament setting that doesn't give Houston the advantage that the LA Galaxy could possibly uh, look like possibly the better team in there so I don't necessarily agree with that they have Portland by the way coming in last and I'll say this the Portland plays the LA Galaxy tough um, you know we talked about the LA Galaxy haven't won in Portland I think since 2016 
Um, so that's that's something. But again, Portland doesn't have the home advantage that they normally have. Portland isn't great on the road. But again, these aren't home games and they're not road games. They're somewhere in between. So, you know, it looks like Group F is the group of death, but it's probably going to be a lot more even, which is why it's so unpredictable. Probably why you give it the group of F, uh, the group of death moniker, um, because of all these things that are put together here. Yeah, I, I think it's by far the toughest group. But, but I and I also think it is the toughest group. And I th- upset if the Galaxy did, didn't didn't get out of it. It's not a, a cinch for either team. I could see, you know, either any of the four teams not getting out of it. But um, I think it would be an upset if the Galaxy didn't. They should definitely advance. As one of the top two, if not the the bet, you know, one of the top four third place teams. That's I think they should that's get, definitely get out part. of it. That's the tough part is trying to find a third place team out of this group because if you figure that all of these teams are evenly matched, then the results are going to be evenly matched as well, and that means that the best third place team is going to have. It's like it's always really good in a group if you have one team that everybody sort of kicks you know, and everybody scores goals on. And in this group, there isn't one of those, you know, um, it's not like where you go up into group E and you have Atlanta United, you have Columbus and you have New York and you have FC Cincinnati. And I think everybody could sort of agree that FC Cincinnati, uh, FC Cincinnati is going to get kicked, kicked around in that one. So you would think that New York and Columbus and Atlanta would probably advance out of that group, even with a third place, because they're going to be able to score a bunch of goals and break a bunch of tiebreakers against FC Cincinnati. Uh, same thing with Colorado and Group D. Colorado's going to get kicked around a lot. Um, so Kansas City, Minnesota, and Salt Lake all have a good chance of advancing. Um, in you know, I, don't don't sleep on Colorado with Robin Frazier back for the start of the season. They played well under him down the stretch. I, I, I agree with you. I think Colorado's the weakest team in that group, but I think they're going to be much improved. But you look at Group B in the Western Conference, and I could see either Vancouver or San Jose, maybe both, not winning a game in that group. And it's the top four third-place teams, so you only need two groups right. with a really crappy third-place team, right. and then someone could advance out of, out of Group F. So you know, here's another thing, though, with the schedule. Right, We're told that uh, these games, the group play games, so the, the the group F games, Galaxy games against LAFC, Houston, and 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 the Timbers, those games will count in the in the standings. Presumably, we don't know this because we don't know what lies ahead. We don't know if teams will be able to travel. Maybe the Galaxy plays all all of its games the rest of the season against teams on the West Coast, then they can't travel to the East Coast. We don't know how that's going to work out. But if if they're allowed to do some sort of a balanced schedule. And if they want to try to make it resemble some sort of a regular season, um, the Galaxy would be – their season work with the Dynamo would be over under uh, normal circumstances. This would be – their group play game would be their second game with Houston. They right. were scheduled to play two games with them. One of the two El Traficos is going to be played in this tournament. Uh, uh, so see, when they come back, do they play at home? Do they play a role or do they play three games this year? Yeah, I was going to say, so if so, here's what we imagine is going to happen is one that you're only going to play teams in your conference. Now, how regional they make that, which means, you know, the Galaxy only play San Jose and Vancouver and Seattle and Portland, and they just basically go up and down the West Coast and they do that. We don't we should not assume anything from this. You may end up playing Houston another time. You may end up playing, you know, LAFC. If the league is smart, they'll have them play them two or three more times, right? Because but, th- but then, see, that skews everything. Because of course if, it does. If, if you look at it and say LF, LAFC is the su- supporter shield winner and they had the best record in the league this year, and the Galaxy has to play them four times, yeah. but they don't they don't get to play 
Nashville and Cincinnati and uh, inner Miami, you know, all the crappy teams, how are they going to, they're not going to be able to put together a good record. No, they have to play, they play Seattle, the defending MLS champs, you know, three or four times, Kevin, but yet they don't play Chicago fire. Kevin, Kevin, that's why, that's why MLS just threw in their bed, threw up their hands whenever they place Miami in a random draw. They didn't care. They don't care about what the season is. Um, I think that they're, perfectly happy with having a season and having games played it's why the it's why i said in my article and i said it in the podcast and i'll say it again they put an asterisk on their asterisks which is craziness um you've 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 thrown question into everything there's group played there are group stage games that are being played and you held a draw that certainly looked fixed and it probably wasn't fixed, but you did absolutely nothing to assuage any fears that anybody had about it not being fixed because you didn't do anything that really usually happens in draws. So you did all this, and now you think that they're just going to try to have some sort of balance. There's going to be no balance schedule with the remaining games. They don't care. They're just trying to rake in any type of money that they can get from here on out. And one of the biggest draws and one of the highest rated games is going to be LA Galaxy and Los Angeles FC. It's going to be the El Trafico. And if they could play it 12 times and they only have 12 more games, they would. Um, So, yeah. You're hint about the the draw being fixed i don't know that it was i don't know that it wasn't i will just tell you what i think i think that it when you do the draw and you wind up with one of the games being el trafico and then in the other groups you have two-thirds of the cascadia cup in group b you have the canadian classic in group c real salt lake against both of its traditional rivals colorado and minnesota in group d you have the ohio derby in group e group a has the first meeting between inter miami and orlando I mean that that, that well, one they did fix. We can just say right, that that one was right. fixed. We, we know, yeah. So we know that one was fixed. So here's the deal: either Don Gar. First of all, I think that it's a compelling tournament. I think the way the draw is done, it's fantastic. I think it's the best they could have hoped for. There's maybe one or two other little tweaks you could have possibly made, but I think everyone will agree that this is a very compelling tournament. That the group stage looks really good. People are going to watch. That's what MLS wants. That's great. I think that's terrific. I think that's what we want. Just come out and say, here's our tournament. We made up our own little tournament, and here's how we're going to do the groups. Just say that. Don't pretend to have a draw because I, I agree with you. I don't think that it was the random draw they wanted it to be. And if it was, if it really was random and Don Garber had that much luck, you know what he would have done? He would have taken the little bit of money he claims that are still in the, in the MLS bank account, and he would have – flown to Vegas, uh, and he would have played all of that in one hand of blackjack to try to win back the billion dollars he said MLS right. is going to lose this year because it it, it defied imagination. Uh, the, the, if you had done this on a statistical basis, all these all these rivalries winding up in the group stage, uh, you know, the chances of it happening are, are none. So Don Garber would have gone with that money, I'm sure, and, and, and taken his chances uh, and tried to win that billion dollars back because he was pretty lucky if that was really a random draw. Hey, uh, you know, it was it was a random in quotation marks draw. So we'll uh, they had the, the you know, the balls had the numbers on it. I know they, I, I, they could have easily that. just said, hey, pick when you get your choice, pick number six, because that's going to set you up with your traditional. Route. All those people had to do is remember the number. Yeah, I know. I I know it's again it's it was it probably I'm 99 percent sure it wasn't fixed Kevin 
Um, I'm more mad that they placed Miami in the draw than anything else that sort of happened. But at the same time, that 99, that 1% is basically you didn't do anything to try to tell me to try to do things to mitigate anybody thinking it was fixed. I mean, the, the entire social media interaction during this thing was this is fixed. Like it just every time they would fixed, this is fixed. Come on. It was just. Well, was, and they announced some accounting firm. Did you hear that at the very yes. beginning? They said yes. you know, Vinny the Weasel accounting firm or something that, you know. <laughs> Uh, uh, taking a look at all this stuff and, and said it's capi- it's capiche. We're good. We should, I, I so it. wanted to just call them and have them on the podcast and be like, so you're the accounting firm. So what did you watch exactly that makes you yeah. verify that all this stuff is okay? You know, I don't know. It's just, it's too weird. All right. Um, I, I'm trying to think. I think that's about it. I think that we, we've basically covered all the, the big points of stuff that is going to, that has happened and that probably is going to happen. Again, a schedule coming out for this tournament. I'd expect it this week. Uh, we have another show on Thursday night. So I was, I'm hoping that Thursday morning, uh, you know, by the latest that they have that up. But, you know, it could be Friday. Who knows? Um, or it could even be next Monday. So they still have a little bit of time to figure this stuff out. But the real deal is once we know what the tournament schedule is and you can sort of see which games are which and when they decide to play that El Trafico, whether it's the first game of that three games or it's the last game of the three games. And I'm sure what, what that... What do you want? What do you want? Do you want them to start out with those guys or do you want them, their, the Galaxy's fate in going on to be decided by El Trafico? It might be one of those things where if you have it be the first game, it really kicks things off for that day, whichever day it's on. Like, it's the big game of that day and they would put it in the prime time slot. I mean, that's why the schedule hasn't been... That's why they didn't announce beforehand that, like, Team Team F1 plays Team F4 on this date because they wanted the chance to go ahead and move those games around to be able to suit the, the television uh, program because there's three television partners that are all going to be broadcasting these games from uh, the ESPN Worldwide of Sports uh, complex there. And so, you know, those guys are basically bidding on some of these games and it's like, hey, I want this game because we want to put it on here and it's going to be prime time. So um, I could very easily seeing it be the first game uh, as it would highlight a group. I could see it being the last game as it would be a, a possibly a game with, you know, knockout implications in terms of going on. So that's both of those are, are viable. I think it's going to matter about which day they get to play like if they they can play the third game and it's going to be on a weekend or if the first game is the midweek then maybe it makes sense that you know television is weird so maybe the midweek makes more sense by television wise than to put it on the weekend so Uh, if i'm a galaxy fan um just for dramatic purposes it'd be great to have it be the third game because that would determine everything but if i'm a galaxy fan i also want it the third game too because it, it, it i mean i think we can all agree it's it looks to be the toughest game of the group and the Galaxy, I think, need a little bit of time on the field together to gel. I don't yeah, think they, they... They need like 10 we, games. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, they're, they're not going to get that. Yeah, so I know. It, it, would be, it would be better to hold that off as long as possible to get as much conditioning and as much chemistry as possible. By the way, have you ever been to Wide World of Sports? I have, I have been to Orlando a total of one time. Uh, I can't believe Wide that. I, I don't believe I've been out is, there. Wide World of Sports is pretty awesome. I, I know it's changed a lot, but back in the day... Uh, that's where the Atlanta Braves had their spring training facility. So they have a minor league baseball stadium, really nice there. Uh, and then it, it's it's now turned into a place where you go to play games. You know, they have uh, the ICC uh, junior tournament is there, the International Champions Cup ter- uh, 
you know, tournament which brings junior age group teams from big clubs around the world. They play there. They have a lot of AYSO and other youth soccer tournaments there. They have 17 full soccer fields. But back in the day, it used to be you could go to like the NFL experience and you could kick field goals or throw passes and, and they'd have like a, like robot wide receivers moving around and stuff. And you could go to the baseball part and take batting practice. And then they had a basketball area. It was a, a, imagine, you know, let your imagination run wild and say you had an unlimited amount of money to make a sports theme park where it was inner everything was interactive right and that's what it was like it was really really super cool i think it's become more a little bit more of a competition venue and not a a theme park anymore but um you know the place where it's at is beautiful there's a lot of space uh, i imagine it's going to be a little bit like an ayso tournament you know where you show up and they go san jose earthquakes you're on field seven yeah i know and, you know the team mom is over there with the orange slices and stuff waiting for you well, well, you know, technically speaking, I don't think any games will be played at the same time because they talked about how every game would be televised. But I don't know that to yeah. be one hundred percent true. So we'll have to. No, I think I think I think that's probably. I think that if they're playing three games a day and they're they've got fifty four games and they're playing over uh, thirty five days, I think it's probably a pretty good bet that uh, they're not going to play two games at the same time. Yeah, because they want to do that. They're trying to maximize the the television exposure on this as much as possible. Again, 16 days of consecutive soccer somewhere in there, and uh, I will be completely useless during that time, so that'll be fun. Well, yeah, I mean, again, when you look at it, there are no live sports on right now, and and you look at it and you say, okay, the American public might rather have NFL games. Well, they don't have those right now. They don't have NBA. They have only MLS will have a little bit of NWSL and maybe some WNBA, but MLS wins against both those leagues. So you don't want if you have 54 opportunities for live programming in a programming desert, you certainly don't want to have two of those games at the same time. So, yeah, I think you're pretty safe in saying no two games will be played at the same time. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that you sort of have to look at now is that, you know, the English Premier League is coming back. You have Serie A, which is back. Um, you have golf. You have NASCAR. I mean, you know, it's not. And Garber even said this on his conference call, which was humorous, which was. Uh, they asked him, you know, oh, well, is this a good time? He's like, he's basically said, I wish we would have been back sooner because he understood that, you know, being earlier would have been better uh, for the league in terms of its exposure, um, television exposure. But at the same time, you know, it is where it is. Uh, the NWSL will be back. You know, you're still going to have you're going to have some stuff here in the United States that's starting to come back. So you've already missed some of those windows. But at the same time, there's not very much variety. Um, and so the, you know, MLS still is going to be in a pretty good spot to pick up, you know, eyeballs on the TV for, for most but, of these games. But you know what? The premier league and La Liga, they're going to end in mid to late, uh, July. Yep. So, you know, that the MLS tournament continues to August 11th, the knockout stage will be starting in late July. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with Don Garber. You might have wanted to start a month ago when there was nothing, but they're still looking pretty good. They're still going to have, well, maybe by the beginning of August, you might have some NFL stuff, but. But considering all things considered, I think they're they're doing pretty well. I think the timing looks good. The, the European soccer will be over by then. And what it really is, this whole thing with European soccer now, all leagues playing uh, every day uh, and people quarantined at home still. Some people, uh, MLS coming back, nothing else on, ML, on ESPN uh, to distract people. This is a real opportunity for soccer to grab some fans who may not have been soccer fans before. It's people that just turn on the TV and just want to, you know, background noise, have some live sports on. Uh, this is the time when soccer can grab a lot of people that might not have given the sport a chance otherwise. Yeah, it's going to be uh, interesting times. All right. 
again, I think we got everything covered for you, uh, at least headed up for this week. Uh, I expect more news and uh, more information be released both from the LA Galaxy in terms of scheduling. Uh, Major League Soccer, obviously, will release that as scheduling. Um, you should start to see more sound bites from players as well as this thing gets ramped back up and they start to get more media coverage headed towards the tournament. So a lot of things sort of uh, ramping up. And, of course, here on Corner of the Galaxy, we're ramping up as well. So we'll uh, we'll get you all ready for all this stuff. And like I said uh, before, once that schedule comes out, we'll know what that means to our uh, our podcasting schedule and how maybe we might have to shift or change it if there's a Monday night game or a different game. So no we'll, two podcasts at the same time, though. No, no, no. We always do them separately. It would be, I, yeah, it would be impossible for me to do two podcasts at the same time, I think, being I'm a host of both of them. So. Uh, I wonder if I could do that. I wonder if I could host two different ones. I bet I could. I bet I could. People think I pay attention over here. Let's try that. I was going to say, people think I pay attention over here. Most of the time, I take little naps in between uh, whenever you're talking. So, uh, you know, I'll I'll also... Well, yeah, I I have that effect on people. (laughs) That's what I've heard. Uh, That's what I heard. All right. Uh, If you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at kbaxter11. And please head on over to latimes.com where Kevin did an article about clowns. Uh, and uh, and COVID nineteen, or COVID nineteen, um, which yeah, is, just clowning around. I was gonna say it just it scares it scares me to death. Yeah, anyway, uh, but do that whenever he's not writing about soccer. Hey, he's, by he's the way, last thing, yeah, Mrs. Pan and I have been having an argument. I, I had a lot of cheap uh, puns, which is the only time kind I ever use. And that story, based on the song "Tears of a Clown," which she said no, it should have been Judy Collins send in the clowns. That's the more famous clown song. Where do you come down on on the cloud? Uh, this, uh, you know, the clown. Uh, what's the most famous clown song? Send, send the clown the clown or? No, send it. Oh, man. It's like, well, it, please, oh, come on. Me. All right. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at Jay Gessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Uh, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com for all of our coverage there. No, we, don't, we do not need you singing. That is absolutely <laughs> for sure. All right. For Mr. Kevin, the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Pato Gessman. You're listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo. And on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.